Episode 25, the big quarter of a century. This is a huge milestone for us at Dark Mode. And what better way than hosting Chris Roberts on the quarter of a century episode? Firstly, uh, there's two things that I just wanted to knock out of the park straight away. One is I'm not the podcast maker that's trying to wear a fedora. Uh, I've just washed my hair and it's just, it doesn't stay anywhere. So I thought, you know what? <laughs> I'm putting the fedora on for this episode. And secondly, Gabe can't be with us on this episode. Uh, she sends her regards to, to our lovely community, um, but she will be back on the next one. Um, she's let us go rogue on this one. And for me, when she said <laughs> I could go rogue with Chris, I was like, this is a dangerous mix. So Chris, thanks for joining us on this episode, mate. I just want to quick give you an introduction before we, uh, we kick in. So firstly, you were one of the original podcast guests that we first ideated around having on Dark Mode. So Thank you for joining us on this one. Uh, your tagline on uh, LinkedIn reads, for those that don't know Chris, uh, is CISO, Senior Director at Boom Supersonic, researcher and hacker, um, and approach carefully with tea biscuits or Islay whiskey. So with that, I'm approaching this very carefully uh, with Islay whiskey in hand. I don't know if it's actually Islay. It's from uh, Cameron Bridge Distillery, so it's uh, it's Ooh. close. But um, I yeah, trust this episode is going to be a roller coaster, Chris. Thanks for joining us, my man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely flipping pleasure. It's, uh, to your point, it's been nice just watching and seeing how things grow. So yeah, fantastic to be hanging out. Thanks, man. And look, I've been a, I've been a fangirl of yours for some time. Uh, you've given me a lot of inspiration personally. And uh, I know that a lot of our community, um, we've just hit a massive milestone with uh, our active monthly listeners. So I uh, really appreciate uh, the time that everyone commits um, to listen to us but uh, a lot of the times we get requests for you to come on the podcast Chris so um, <laughs> it's it's really awesome to see that, uh, that that people want and to hear from from people like yourselves as uh, as purveyors of the, the cybersecurity industry doing the yeoman's work you know it's scary when you think about it it's I, I never set out for this it's always um you know it's I had somebody hit me up the other day on LinkedIn and like hey you know what's the secret how do you do this and I'm like no bloody clue absolutely like no clue whatsoever they're like well you got all these followers i'm like ah, fucking accidental tourist time and and it's it scares the hell out of me it's, in one side it scares the hell out of me because i respect the heck out of everybody that follows so there's that level of behooving that you want to do right by everybody but at the same time, and I think most of the time, it's just it's just be me. And, and I think that's part of it. I, I'm, I'm actually in the middle of putting a, a LinkedIn post up together at the moment. And uh, we're moving house at the moment. So it's bringing back a whole lot of like stuff that's going on, stuff that's unresolved and some stuff that's got to be sort of my daughter. And I'm kind of putting a post together. And I think it's, I think I love part of the reason is, is because I'm just me. It's I'm not trying to sell anything. I'm not trying to BS people. I'm not trying to convince them. Like, this is life. This is the shit that happens. This is the stuff in our own industry we need to do. These are the areas I think we need to focus on and uh, squirrels, you know, and, and it's just whatever the hell works. And, and it's, I'm ridiculously fortunate. I think because I read such a lot, I'm ridiculously fortunate that I'm able to actually sit there and go, okay, how do I articulate it in a way that makes sense. And, you know, that's from reading the Terry Pratchett's of the world, the Douglas Adams, the Neil Gaiman's and, and all those other folks that have, have, have we stand on, we, we stand on the shoulders of giants, no two ways about it. Yeah. And being able to, to take something complicated like our industry and weave it into a story and have some fun with it and have a little bit of, a little bit of sarcasm, a little bit of self-effacing humor, 
uh, we've always got a taste. Somebody's always got a taser. Normally, we're trying to kill somebody at the same time. Normally, on a tabletop exercise, a senior leadership has to die. Often, we're pissing off the French because, well, well, who the hell wouldn't want to annoy the hell out of the French? And I'm always poking fun at the country that I live in. So, you know, it's it scares the hell out of me. But at the same time, I feel it. Like I am indebted to the people that do and the amazing conversations I've. I've had some just ridiculously fantastic conversations with people online that hopefully one day I will get to meet. So ridiculously lucky, very humbled. And I hope that I never am one of those security people where the ego arrives 10 minutes before I do. If I ever get to that point, I think a very good friend of mine is just going to wax load me in the back of the head or something. Yeah, I reckon there's a few people that would line up to give you give you that shot if uh, if you needed it. But I've never I've yeah. never experienced that. And for me, as in from from reading your posts and, and experiencing what you put out in content, um, it, it really is because you are you, and yeah. and I attribute all of your following to you're so raw and you, you're not forwards in you're not backwards in going forwards with what it is. You're happy to call a spade a shovel, uh, yeah, and and you're, you're happy to call it out. You know the, the work you're doing with Danny Wolf at the moment. That's just it's it's fantastic oh, mate she is absolutely i mean she's still she's absolutely amazing um and it's so much fun because it's that topic that we all love to hate you know it's it, it doesn't matter what role you're in it doesn't matter if you're a CISO role you're a tech and engineer you're starting off in the organ in the industry <laughs> it doesn't matter where on that journey your ass is getting targeted you know yeah. there's seven thousand vendors out there going hmm how do we how do we how do we hook line and sink of them and so what I love about Danny is just she's taken our crazy amount of frustration and has gone, okay, how do I do something positive with it? Yeah. How do I take the fact that the CISO, I mean, we're, so for you guys, for everybody that's listening here, we're actually starting off a new podcast. So she's got the audience first one going. I'm obviously, we've, we've taken a bit of a hiatus on doing the security shit show. Um, I'm no longer doing the stuff, the Dr. Dark Web stuff, because I've stepped away from Cyber Cisco. Obviously, has has Danny. She's got the audience first thing going. Well, she and I have been collaborating behind the scenes, and last week we recorded the first two episodes, and it's it's called WTF? Did I re did I just read? And it's basically it, it's my inbox, and it's me reading my 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 spam messages, and then we 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 hack the living hell out of it for five ten minutes, but then we build it up. Then we're like, all right, you know, when you go like, hello, darling, I'd love to have a conversation with you. I've got the best solution for you on the planet and you need it from me, <laughs> you know, and it's must buy shit from me now. <laughs> and we're just having a shit. We've even, I've even found, um, I've even found like these, the, the voice changing things, the software. I've had some fun with this stuff. Amazing. So now we can read it. Now we can read these spam emails in like the, the voice of Edgar Allan Poe and, you know, <laughs> Or Arnold Schwarzenegger does, you know, Veronis sells bullshit, or you know, you know, Dark Trace bought to you by Edna. At Ed oh, Dame Edna. I have to find out what. Oh God, there'd be one there. There would be one there for Dame Edna for sure. We can have you to please, Can you please do one in David Attenborough? That'd just be. <laughs> oh hell yes, <laughs> that'd be amazing. Here in the ecosphere <laughs> of technology, we find Clown Strike. We know. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be so good oh i'm wrapped already by it give us your best story from that so far i know that i just want to give a teaser for our audience because you know lots of people follow you and i know that they will naturally navigate towards this i know i yeah. will so is there is there one story that just sings out and you think that one just 
it will always sit at the top of the pile in terms of the shit show that is uh, your inbox. No, they, they keep changing. They keep they? getting back. I mean, Amazing. I think this is where it gets interesting. I mean, you've got that series of emails. Hello, I'd, lo I'd love to have a conversation with you. Two weeks later, hello, I'm bumming into the top of your inbox. Two weeks later, I know you don't love me, <laughs> but please. And two weeks later, this is us breaking up. I'm going to try. And then two weeks later, well, I thought I'd try our breakup conversation again. And I mean, we've got that one all the way through to the, I know I'm not interesting enough for you, but please, can you give me somebody who is? And it's, I, I mean, it just goes the gamut. I mean, and but then flipping that around, uh, I had a, a, an amazing, uh, an amazing one that came into the inbox from the the team at Slack, and uh, it was it was great. It was a, and what they'd done, they'd done their research. They were like, you know, we know we need to approach you, but they'd actually read it. They'd read further on than that, rather than just going, "Hey, let's talk about whiskey." And by the way, I'm going to sell you shit. They'd <laughs> yeah. actually listened, and they're like, "Hey, you know, we know what you're doing. We kind of know what you're up to. We love. We see the progress. We know what you're doing inside our inside the Slack system. We, given where you're at, would recommend the conversation based off of A, B, and C. But hey, no worries. And and I loved it because there was no. There was no emotive heartstrings. There was no tugging at my, you know, better heart, any of that stuff. It was Factual. a really nicely put together message for somebody whom you and I talking, if we were talking in the same room, it would have been that exact same kind of approach rather than just somebody running up to you, decking you on the side, stealing <laughs> a business card and calling you a day later and going, hey, I know we need to talk. Like, <laughs> uh, I feel for that. And it's like, in, in the same way that we navigated our path into the cyber industry, there are young folks out there that are getting their first job in cybersecurity as mm -hmm. an SDR or BDR or, you know, cold calling and sending these LinkedIn. So in yeah. one side of my brain, you know, you get flooded by some of these inboxes that are just wild. Some of them, I think you didn't even look at my profile to see what I do for a living, but exactly. yeah, it's just, just spend two minutes and it's not hard, right? So, yeah. And you can even put an algorithm in that says string word equals then follow, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it wouldn't be Jesus that hard to do. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But then I, I also think on the other side, it's like those poor people, like not poor people, but they have a tough entry point to the industry. Yeah. And, and it's, and that's where I think the balance comes in It's because, you know, on one hand, I, I, there's, you know, there's a part of us, all of us that wants to take an entire flamethrower to them, <laughs> flip that around. We all had to start somewhere. And I mean, we're fortunate. Those of us have got the old gray hair and everything else came up through the IT world. Mm. You know, we came up with a screwdriver in one hand and a freaking floppy disk in the other hand. And we figured shit out as we went along. Yeah. And we were, uh, to be honest, we were the lucky ones. Um, nowadays, exactly to your point, it's it's a lot tougher. And so that's why with like the, the podcast series that within the WTF podcast, it's like, hey, we're, we're going to tear this down for five minutes. We're going to have some fun. But without naming names, we're not putting people on the spot. We're not actually going to name companies. We're going to anonymize bits of it. And then we're going to have some fun with it. But then we're also going to spend the next five, 10 minutes going, okay, how could this have been done better? Let's rewrite it. Let's reread it. Let's Let's role play. So what I love about it is we're trying to actually, we're going to have some fun, but then it's like, okay, how the heck do we do it properly? How do we do it effectively and efficiently? What would make somebody pause for a second and go, huh? I mean, I've done it. I've had a couple that have hit me up and I'm like, Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm not ready for this. You know, boom is a fantastic organization, 
we've got a lot to do and we've got some of the basics and fundamentals to do. I'm not going to go chasing next gen bullshit until I've actually got my basics sorted out. At that point, yeah, maybe I'll take a look at it. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a fantastic. I love that you're doing the education piece too. That's the yeoman's work that we're trying to do here is to yeah. educate more people. And, you know, um, I, I think there's been an undertone in a few episodes getting to this point where it's, uh, you know, we've done a great job of fear-mongering and we've done a great job of making cybersecurity sound way more technical than it needs to be. So, you know, there's folks that are in accounting or lawyers that want to transition across the cyber. They look at that and think it's way too technical. There's no way I can, I, it's a barrier to entry. Yeah, and, and I think it, it's you're right, and it's so sad because what I've loved, I, I've had some amazing conversations with people. I was just at uh, the Rocky Mountain InfoSec this last week, and uh, Amber Deville, Amber and I caught up, and she's just written a book, and yeah, it was kids' fantastic. book, right? Oh my gosh, totally awesome book! Yeah, and uh, the the not the blue beard, but the purple beard appears in it, which I, I was ridiculously honoured for. Maybe. And she and I caught up and it was really interesting talking to her about her move into this industry. And you're right. We we're we're almost as bad as the bloody military these days with, with how many frippant acronyms we throw around. And I'm at the point now when it when when people start spouting acronyms, I will put my hand up, whether I know what the hell it is or not, I'm gonna put my hand up and go, Hey, would you mind explaining what the heck that is in English? Give me a language. Yeah. I understand because even if I know what it is, there's 10 people around me. They've got no freaking clue. And nobody wants to answer the question or right. answer, answer the question. That's yeah. That I, we share that in, in common too. I was military for a long time. So acronyms mm -hmm. are like, it, it's almost <laughs> like learning a new language, but at the same time, you, 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 other military folk understand it. And it's, it's so easy to get trapped in acronym yeah. talk. Um, yeah. But I'm with you. I think more needs to be done with acronyms. There's a lot of people that carry the acronym and understand it in a context but you ask them and they, they don't understand what it is uh, in terms of the basic depiction of, and I always think I've got two young daughters. If I can't explain it to them, then who am I to get up on stage and talk about it in a sense that no one else would understand it. Oh yeah, exactly. I had a, a boom is a perfect example. Our, uh, our CFO, amazing guy. And um, not long after I started, he, he and I, he and I had a sit down and conversation. He's like, look, I've not had information security report into me before. And yeah, there's a part of me that's like, <laughs> scary. Yeah. But there's also a part of me going, hey, I need to educate him for two reasons. One, so he understands what the heck I'm talking about. But secondly, I need an advocate. I'm fortunate I get to go hang out with the board and, and wave hands around and do that stuff. But I need another person at the table, aside from like Charles and I, who is advocating for us when we're not there. So it behooves me to help him understand what the heck our language is. And when you sit down and you explain it, you do really exactly to your point, you realize how many layers of this BS that we've put there. When in essence, we got, we got one job, one single job to protect others. That's it. That there's when people ask what is information security, I'm like, it's one job protect. That's yep. it. Nothing else. I, I don't care how you do it. Figure this shit out work with the organization and, and figure out how the hell you can do a better job of protecting them. Nothing else. I think working with the organization is critical there. It's, you know, so many folks have got it that they need this, they need that, they need this, they need that, but it's, it's working with people to understand their problems from like a human related, like a human perspective, yeah. also yeah. a technology perspective, also about aspirational perspective. And you know, I think, I, I talk a lot about the human side and so does Gabe when she's on about how, you know, we seem to be missing that human element in cybersecurity lately. And it's, 
I, I saw your talk and there was a video. I, I want to get the name of it right. You were speaking in uh, in Israel somewhere. Hold on, let me get it here. Oh, it's, Cyber uh, Week, Tel Aviv. Cyber in, Week. Uh, it, oh yeah. My God. That's, that's like my, I have two homes. In this industry, I have two homes. Gurkhan up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, um, is, is like home number one. I yeah. absolutely, Chris Payne and, and, and the team up there that put that on are freaking amazing. That is like home. And then the other one is, is Cyber Week in Israel. And like uh, the entire team at the Blackneck University, uh, just amazing people. And what I love about it is the diversity. Yeah, you know, so many of the U.S. conferences, the the and you know the Black Hats, the DefCons, the B sides, and all of that, very U.S. centric. And yes, you get visitors from a few other countries. You have a Cyber Week. I think last count there were like sixty or seventy different countries represented. And I mean, it's fantastic the conversations. That's where you grow true community in those sort of things. I went to RSA this year and I remember sending you a message on LinkedIn and, and you wrote back pretty much, man, if I can get there, I will, but I'm not making a good effort at it because it's it's not what it used to be. And, uh, and, and I totally saw that point when I left, you know, it was just marketing yeah. and it was just, Oh, it's crazy. I mean, but it, yeah. a million square feet of people telling you they're the best and how, if you only bought their solution, the world would be a better place and, and you could put your feet up and relax. And I'm like, it, it's, it's been the byword of our industry. Unfortunately, it's over promise under deliver. And, and it's, it sucks. And, and I think, you know, it behooves a lot of us that have come up through this industry to somehow or other fight back is probably a, a rough way of putting it but to try to shine a light on it and go okay i'm not just going to shine a light on it i want to help you understand how to do it better um i'm giving a talk at uh, concon saturday so week's time just under a week's time mm -hmm. and it's a similar one i've given a couple of times this year and, and I, I tend to like have four or five or six talks that i that i'll mess around with during the year and i'm, I'm giving the the <laughs> It, it's tick in the box, but you know, the accent fucks it up every now and again. So every now and again, it's like, well, it's the dick in the box. And, um, I can and see how that can be confusing for some. Oh, folks. absolutely. And I have a picture of the dick in the box on the screen. <laughs> so, you know, just to just keep everybody happy on that one. Yeah. But it's, it's all about how we as an industry have, have, are doing nothing more than putting ticks in boxes. We, unfortunately, again, are not spending a lot of time protecting. We're spending a lot of time going, how do I pass my compliance? And, and it isn't just one set of rules and regulations. We, we can't even do that. We can't even sit down and come up with a common set of rules and regulations for looking after our own freaking industry. We've got 20 or 30 of the stupid things, depending upon what country or what region or what data or what types or what industry. I'm like, you're screwed up. Yeah. You got data? Figure out a protect it that it's not more complicated than those two things that's it and most of that comes down to educate the ready human on that's how right. to protect it the rest is easy you're absolutely right I, you take i don't understand and how we've failed as an organization or an organization i say as an umbrella term for cybersecurity more broadly yeah. but how we've failed so hard at educating people in the, the fundamentals of cybersecurity it's like it, how many times does it take us to sit through the annual cybersecurity training at the start of the year before people realize that that's a failure on our part? Like far out, Huge. we should be able to. Huge failure. Yeah. And, and I think it comes back to, we try and make things too technical. We try and make things too convoluted for everyone to then sit back and go, 
I can accept that. I understand that. You know, it's just we try and throw too much at it. It's just it's we also don't make it human. I um I did a bunch of work uh about a year, year and a half ago, year and a half, two years ago, I did a bunch of work with a, an amazing gentleman called uh Gabrielle. He runs a, an awareness training company called Wiser. Wiser, Wiser Training. Yeah, and, Friedlander, um, right? Gabriel Friedlander. Yeah, yeah freaking awesome to hang out with and and i love him for two different reasons i mean he drives me nuts don't get me wrong <laughs> he's got this tip and i'd say if he was sitting opposite me he's got this amazing israeli kind of like mentality when he's squirreling in 25 different directions and wants 15 of them focused on and would like it done yesterday yeah um but i love him because he is another one of those that puts the mission before the money he cares about what he's doing he cares about getting into people's hands he does a ton of stuff like a serious ton of stuff is out there for free and it's all about the continual education you know it's to your point i, I stood up in front of a bunch of military folks not long ago i'm like all right how many of you done your awareness training okay was it once a year absolutely was it the same as last year absolutely did you all remember the questions from last year absolutely was it the same as years before all right is it any use no <laughs> are you doing it for yeah oh, puts a tick in the box we're compliant we did our annual training i remember yeah. when i was in the military you're given these these briefs and you, you you're sort of reading from the script because you you have to like you've got like i've got like a sergeant down the corner pointing at me yeah. like this saying read from the script yeah but at the same time it's like in the audience the, the you know the, the commandos that i was reading it to were essentially looking at me like don't worry ben's going to give us the answers to this at the end of it like yeah. it'll be fine oh, yeah. it's like Ugh totally and people power down man it's like whoa yeah and then i think that's you know we're doing it at, at boom we're introducing the formal stuff at some point but i'm training through memes i'm having a ton of fun on the slack channels posting just stupid freaking memes and Amazing. it's i i found a brilliant one uh, you know again i'm based in the u.s so just north of me is a place called yellowstone national park like the, the biggest cold era on this freaking planet. If it goes bang, the US just goes up in a big cloud of smoke and the rest of the planet goes, whoops, that was fun. Um, but what I love about this place is you get tourists. Not only do you get Americans who have got no clue what these things are, but you get tourists. And tourists are fun. It doesn't matter if they're national tourists, local tourists, international tourists. Tourists are fun. Yeah. Most of them have never seen a moose, let alone a buffalo or a bison and you get this big 1500 2000 pound animal that looks cute and cuddly and fuzzy like a fucking koala bear yeah oh it's so pretty i just want to pet it so they walk up to this 2000 pound beast and go oh you're so cute take a selfie with me the 2000 pound beast just looks through one eye looks through the other eye and goes are you food or fodder and then stumbles the hell out of them and just dumps the crap out of them and they wonder why i'm like you muppet yeah this isn't, I mean, it's like going into the outback and going, hey, there's a crocodile. Let me just cuddle it for us. No, no. Why? Or kangaroo. Oh, isn't it pretty? As you end up going backwards through the damn, you know, event horizon for crying out loud. Yeah. Well, they're screaming. <laughs> and then so there's these signs and I managed to get a whole bunch of stickers, which is do not put, do not pet the fluffy cow. And I freaking love them because, and I'm going to use them for security awareness please do because it makes you think it makes you take that step back and go oh that's cool oh i like that great now i've got your attention on that 
let's think about the next time an email comes in. Let's think about the next time somebody sends a text message from Blake, who's the CEO, wanting gift cards. You know, use that same mentality you just went to go, huh, I like what you're doing on in the digital realm, not just the physical realm, but now use that same mentality. In the, so you, you get people thinking and you do it consistently once every couple of weeks, once yep. a month, and just, it becomes, and then you do it and you go, hey, you got rugrats, you got elderly parents, you got grandparents, you got siblings, you got whatever. Let's help them too. I don't, I don't, I actually care about what you do at work, but you know what? Let me help you look after the kids. You're going to hand them this device because, you know, little Johnny or little Jemima's bored. So you hand them the pacifier, which is now more freaking powerful than what we used to send to the moon. <laughs> and by the way, little Jemmy and Jemima's probably already hacked into the bank for carrying it loud. They know your passwords. They also know how to burst into the nest. And they've got your Apple account and therefore you're screwed anyway, but you're handing them this thing. Why don't we actually help you understand how to handle it effectively? Because it's a weapon, you know, and same thing with parents and grandparents. Let's just help you help the family around you. Just ask another question. And so you do that enough times and all of a sudden you suddenly find that people actually are signing on to thinking about our digital realm. It's a yeah. great concept because they, they, they would then, I say they, even I would attribute, you know, that might be a meme that you've got up there, but they remember that. And then it's like muscle memory kicks in. It's like the email came in. Remember when Chris showed me that thing about the fluffy cow? Exactly. That's yeah. what you want. That's, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. That, that's like, um, that, that's hitting Nirvana there. Yeah. And that's all it is. It's, and I think that's one of the, again, back to the point you made, which is we have, I'd argue we have enough tech to solve all of our, all of our problems, probably more than enough in some cases. Now, what we got to do is figure out how to actually apply it effectively and how to have the human element understand how to work with it effectively, whether we hide it behind the scenes more effectively, which we need to do in some ways, or whether we actually help people how to understand how to integrate with it and just how to use it. I mean, that's, that's all it comes down to. The tech, the, the tech is pretty good at looking after itself. It's, it's the squishy things that are sitting in the chairs that are, uh, need a little bit of love at this point in time. Yeah, it's this skin suits need the vitamin D and the knowledge power to be able to <laughs> move it all. Yeah, I totally agree, Chris. It's, um, yeah. I, I, this is a whole nother, this could be another series, honestly. It's, um, <laughs> this is something I'm passionate about internally. I, um, you know, we like talking too about the stigma that it's associated or attributed to personal breach or personal digital breach. Oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I'm not sure what it's like in the States. I assume it's pretty similar, but there's such a stigma attributed to it. It's like the only way we're all going to learn and educate each other on is to help. You know, you mentioned before talking to little Jemima and, and you know, your potentially elderly parents. And I remember yeah. hearing a story where you told about, you know, your mum going out to celebrate um, being cancer free. And, uh, and yeah. then, you know, she, she potentially got breached. I, I have similar yeah. stories about my folks. They've been breached, but the only way we're going to, the only way we're going to teach each other about it is if we talk about it instead of hiding oh. it and becoming like this whole psychosocial impacted society on, we've been breached. It's, you know, it's one of those things. I, um, I always try to bring it back to something that we can all relate to. So perfect example, I live in a, I live in a community. And so if I was to walk outside and see somebody I didn't know going through the mailbox or the mailbox down the road or wandering around somebody's garden, I'd tell my neighbors, I would actually send a, I'd actually, first and foremost, I'd probably shoot the person because it's fun <laughs> to actually have another head nailed up on the wall. But if I, they get kind of up into yeah. doing that in this neck of the woods. There's these old kind of covenants. They get upset. Um, 
but um but it, you know it's but first and foremost you did you would potentially tackle that situation or the very worst case scenario you get hold of your neighbors and go hey heads up just saw somebody doing a b and c and d do this do me a favor check d e f and g you do that that's the physical world yet in the digital realm we don't do the darn thing at all you know we don't and that's, I think, again, exactly to your point, in the digital realm, if I get my ass handed to me, I should put my hand up literally immediately and go, hey, this came in, this happened, this is what's going on, heads up everybody around me. And I'm seeing it inside Boom. It's actually really, really nice. I've got a CISO channel inside Boom. And what I'm seeing is people posting that they're like, hey, I just got this message came in you know, Blake is doing in a meeting and would like some more gift cards. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so they're posting it or even one of them hit me up the other day. Their kid got hit up. Da -da 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 -da. And it was fantastic because it's, it's that community and it's taking the physical world and actually really starting to influence the digital community so that we do take care of each other. I love that. Yeah. It, it's something that we failed at. And, and I love that you admit that uh, in, in some of your talks and, um, you know, we've, we've all been scanned. We've all been compromised digitally. And all you got to go is to have I been pwned and, and punch in any email address you have. And nine times out of 10, it's going to come up with a result. It's, but, yeah. you know, th there's from that point, it's about reverse engineering it to find out how or why. And, and then from there, how you can stop it. But we stop at that point of, you know, there's no inflection point at the, at the time of discovery. It's not a, I got done via Spotify or something, you know, you don't go to your mates and say, Hey guys, did you get done with Spotify? Go and check it out. I had to go do this. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? There's no, we haven't built that digital community amongst, you know, the, the masses it's. Unfortunately, the lawyers got involved and this is, you know, that, that, that is another segment of society that in the, the great Lake County Everett just needs to be taken out into field and bombed into oblivion. <laughs> um, because you know, as a lawyer for an organization, well, we don't want to admit that we got breached. Well, mm. you know, you can't tell anybody. We, we have to deal with it internally. And when we've done our investigation and our analysis, then we will make a determination as to whether we will officially have to or necessarily make a disclosure. Three months later, we're still arguing about the stupid shit, at which point every freaking company around us got their ass handed to them exactly the same way because we didn't put our hand up as the first infection and go, hey, Y'all just noticed, I just seen this, everybody, you know, inoculate yourself. And so I, I, you know, this to me is where the community comes in. This is where, you know, everybody that's listening, go make friends with everybody else that's listening. Because even if you can't officially say something behind the scenes, you fire up signal and you go, hey, heads up, can't tell you exactly what's happened, but keep an eye out for this or do this signature. And that's why there's a bunch of communities I belong to. There's the, there's one runs out of the Middle East, absolutely fantastic community that I've hung out with out in Dubai and a few other places. And I'm probably, I'm, I'm, I'm out in, I'm going to Saudi Arabia. I'm going into Saudi. I might not be let back out of Saudi in November, but at least I'm going to get in. We'll see what happens after that. I really want to put a brony and a rainbow flag up on the biggest display, like over the bridges in the middle of, in the middle of um, the capital. But I've been warned that I probably shouldn't do that. Wow. I mean, you could probably do it on a few televisions around there. They've got some pretty electronic <laughs> billboards that, that might look good with it. I was but, going to come in with the whiskey case and just see how far through the airport I got before I got like, you know, swarmed and yeah. and uh, taken to the ground. It'd be fun if nothing. I, I would say you'd probably make it through like the plane door. <laughs> the plane. They yeah. get the thing off. I try to get through customs. Have you got anything to declare? Nah, everything's fine. No problems at all. It's all good. This is, you know. Trust principles, yeah. 
Well, I mean, we're brewing our own moonshine at this point. So, I mean, if nothing else, it's fuel. I'm bringing, actually, I mean, it's, I'm bringing fuel into a fuel featured company. <laughs> I love if that. I can get away with that. I can make this work. How, how, how does moonshine? I, you know, I've tried to distill, you know, make basic white spirit and then turn it into yeah. gin before. And is it a similar process? Yeah. Oh gosh, it's fun. Um, and 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 for everybody that's listening, especially uh, ATF, FBI, or anybody else, <laughs> this is uh, purely experimental for yes. tractor purposes only. And I think I'm getting a license for that. For that, but yeah, uh, hypothetically, one would take uh, corn, so either red corn. We'd be messing around with red corn and blue corn and uh, sweetening it with like we done a, did a couple with some cane sugar and a couple of molasses for shits and giggles our own blend of yeast and you cook it up you know if you're using a turbo yeast you get it up to temp and it's 24 hours if you use a regular yeast, three to five to seven days stop things stops bubbling drain the mash and run it through a run it through a still and then um obviously take off the tops and tails and, and the hearts and have some fun with it and hypothetically you'd have yourself a good night oh hypothetically you have some fantastic stuff especially if you run it through a kettle afterwards oh and charcoal filters and then you're pulling off at about 155 to 165 proof and it would remove all the impurities through the filter absolutely so, yeah, yeah. so when you put it into the tractor absolutely fuel efficient perfect firing on yeah. all cylinders no problems at all i'll bet it'd probably be noisy and it'd probably have some uh, good stories absolutely to tell find this stuff yeah <laughs> and obviously because we're putting into some valuable tractors one actually has to ensure the integrity of one's product and the only way to ensure the integrity is unfortunately to taste it occasionally and animal testing isn't isn't that doesn't oh, no, it's, yeah, it's, go it's, very well it's like, well i've got great dames i mean they'd probably i mean i'd just get bounded to the ground and they eat <laughs> snacks they wouldn't touch the damn moon so like snacks yeah <laughs> i love that um you know talking about your your uh your your you call them wolf mutts yes um, but your pups I, I got inspired by one of your posts i think it was on twitter and uh and for anyone that doesn't follow um you need to go to sid dragon one that's your twitter handle i, I think yeah. i got that right but yeah you're so raw you're honest and i love that but you posted something about giving your uh wolf mutts uh, a pup cup Oh, pup cup. Yeah. It's, I don't know if it translates. I, I never had dogs in the UK, so I had no bloody clue. I, let me take that back. I had Kizzy for a short amount of time. Uh, parents' dogs end up yeah. being mum's dog for a short period of time. But I've never had dogs uh, outside of that. One of my exes had dogs. Um, but this is really the first time I've ever had dogs outside of the military stuff when we had them as working dogs. Um, and you definitely wouldn't take them on the stage. Hey, let's go get a pup cup. Now I'm just going to eat the person that hands it to me. But it's it's I'd love to say that. Yeah, it's the drive-through phenomenon because you can drive through and get your own drink, and then uh, like a lot of the coffee shops do this, and it's basically a cup. It's a smaller cup, and they fill it full of whipped cream and put a couple of dog treats in it. Oh my gosh, have you seen a Great Dane slobber? There's pictures all over the, uh, the Twitterverse, but yeah. Yeah, I, that's seriously happy great dane oh yeah you've got great danes which are, i attribute to like mini horses compared yeah. to my i've got a half ounce fluff ball <laughs> oh you have a snack you got yes, snack dog. yes it's yeah <laughs> you could probably fit him in a in a in a pup cup as well and just put some oh, dog treats no. in there and it would uh looks a bit like fairy floss he's a, a toy cavoodle so um oh cute but um no, no the reason i talk about your your wolf mutts is uh is I'm keen to go backwards a little bit. Uh, we started the podcast with a bang. Um, but for people that don't know Chris Roller's story, I, I love your story personally. Um, I, I think it's uh, I think it's one that needs to be talked about more often. Um, but you've you've been dubbed wrongly in our eyes, the plane hacker. Uh, oh, I feel yeah. Like, I feel like that gets brought up all the time, man. And and now I say wrongly, and and I know Gabe does also, because 
the term hacker is so convoluted. It's got a nefarious yeah. wrapper around it that is just unfair to the term hacker. Um, yeah. You know, and and it's, I think it's even caused some controversy for you on some other podcasts, right? Talking about the plane hacking. It's like the, was that a cyber reason one? The malicious life? Probably, yeah. I think they might have Probably. pulled that episode, which is even cooler. But, and I'd love you to talk about the story of how that sort of came about um, for, for our yeah. listeners and, uh, and, and what your thoughts are on the term hacker after. Yeah, it's it's so the, the the avionics stuff was was a really interesting one, and it came out. So inside Hillbilly Hit Squad, there are three core protagonists, shall we say, as well as everybody else. But the three cores: there's myself, there's Jesse, and there's Swede. You've got me, the transplant, the the foreigner, as Jesse likes to call me. Jesse makes me look small. He's about six four, six five, large gentleman, always in overalls, Nebraskan. So Midwest and says it like he says it. And it's, and I love him for it. Then we have Swede, who's about the weight of my leg and about five, four, five, five Native American. So really interesting blend between the three of us. Now go back to 2009, 2010 timeframe. And Jesse and I find ourselves uh, in a pancake house. So like an all night, just, you know, food diner in the U S and, We'd done this a number of times. We'd been talking off topics. We'd hacked tractors. We'd gone after John Deere's. We'd stopped crops from growing. I think we'd been messing around with cars for a couple of years. And we were we were doing a whole bunch of demos out of Black Hat. And actually, it was the very, it was the very second B-sides that ever happened. It was at the Porn Stars house. Yeah. And it was, I mean, so we're going back a few years now. And we yeah. gave a talk about uh, breaking into cars. And at the same time, I'd been messing around with missiles. Unfortunately, in the US, despite all the lack of gun control in the US, you still can't order your own Patriot missile. And I wanted one. I mean, you just, everybody wants a Patriot missile. I mean, why the hell wouldn't you want one of these stupid things? So I figured out how to break into these stupid things and reprogram the bloody things. And so that got us thinking, like, all right, we've done, we, we'd already screwed around with trains. We'd done, we'd done you know, uh, cars and lorries and trucks. And so we'd never messed around with planes. And one of the large aviation carriers said, oh, you know, we're building avionic systems the same way that we build other transportation. We're like, score one Dick. for the good guys. Yeah. <laughs> so we spent the best part of five to six years researching. And that involved getting ourselves basically a digital cockpit. So we built on a bunch of different computer systems, a digital cockpit environment. We would literally call up the providers and go, hey, we're building an interface for blah, 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 between blah, blah, blah. And they were like, oh, yeah, and we were like, we need the we need the diagram, we need this, we're looking for this, we need the... We, and, and they would give us all the testing tools. I mean, bless their cotton socks, they gave us almost everything, including the VxWorks environments, you name it, we had everything. So we quickly realized that we could mess around with these things on the ground. So we ended up building our own, basically, upload software for uh, 747, so that when it was a uh, 20, 30,000 feet, that it would shut the engines off and deploy the flaps. And like, oh no, you can't do that. And we're like, and here's the software to prove that we can. We handed a lot of stuff off to pretty much so all the main protagonists in the industry and said, here's our research, do what you want with it. And unfortunately they did nothing. So then we went to the agencies and said, shit's not happening, shit's not going. This is like 2014, 2015. Well, like stuff's not getting fixed and there are problems and not only are there problems, we could do all sorts of nasty things. And they're like, oh no, you can't do that. They're telling us you can't. And we're like, and here's all of our research that says we can. Yeah. We'd also demonstrated what we could do in the air by basically building out cabin control systems, entertainment systems, you name it. We built the whole thing out again for some of the main protagonists and 
We even went under NDA with one of them and they didn't fix a damn thing. So when that expired, we're like, screw it. We, we, we basically hit the go public button. Now, this Muppet, people should learn from some of my experiences. I was literally flying out to Syracuse, New York. Um, and I was going from like Denver to Chicago, Chicago to Syracuse, New York. I was going to, I was, what I was going to do is give a lecture on basically all of this and the problems. I was giving it to a bunch of agency folks. I get on the plane in Chicago, uh, in the plane in Denver, I get halfway to Chicago and a good friend of mine sends me a, uh, a news article. And it was from one of the main plane builders going, oh, you know, everything you're hearing, everything the agencies are saying, even DHS uh, is rubbish. Everything's fine. Everything's secure. There's nothing problem. Basically, don't look behind the green curtain, courtesy of Wizard of Oz. And I called bullshit on a Twitter post. And what I ended up doing was bringing up my copy of the operating manual for the plane I was sitting on. And I looked up what code I would need to issue to decompress the back of the cockpit, recompress, decompress, rapid recompress, decompress basically induce hypoxia and kill everybody in the back. So I looked up the codes I would need and I, I put a post, I put a Twitter post out that was like, I called bullshit on this because here's the code you need to issue. And I put some other stuff up on there as well. Now I was already on a few of the people's radars. The airline I was flying went, oh, he's about to kill everybody on the plane. I'm like, no, I ain't quite that stupid. Um, they, you're sitting on it as well. Well, no shit. I mean, yeah, I'm <laughs> dumb as a box of rocks sometimes, but not quite that dumb. So anyway, I get to Syracuse and I get hauled off the airplane and, and the, bless their little cotton socks, the agent's like, well, you know, you broke into the plane. I'm like, mm, no, I didn't. Uh, I, I have the manual for the plane and I looked up the codes. Well, you're known to break into planes. I'm like, yeah, I might've done that a few times to prove points. And so it became, unfortunately, what ended up happening, it became a huge pissing match between the US's FBI and myself over who said what, who did what, because... The FBI ended up taking a massive statement. I mean, they did it over a couple of sessions. The challenge is, is they didn't necessarily bring people along who knew about what we were doing. So partly my problem, because I probably didn't explain it in English, partly their challenge because they didn't actually write down what I said. And so when the affidavit came out, it was like, well, he made the plane do this and he made it. I'm like, you know, I demonstrated how we could do this and I explained, but and so it just went off the rails. And in the end, I mean, I was going after the feds pretty heavily on social media. Electronic Frontier Foundation, to their credit, was actually helping me out as well and basically told me to shut up talking to anybody else. And then in the end, the Department of Justice stepped in and said, dear FBI, give him all of his equipment back. Dear Mr. Roberts, don't piss off the FBI for a while, please. You know, and it was... For a while. So like, they went... <laughs> Back to your corners, folks. Yeah. Um, and it's frustrating because in all that time, in all those years, I mean, I was, I was fortunate. There's some family friends who are very well connected in the industry. And as a researcher, I'd willingly handed over everything that we'd done to all of these bloody companies. And oh, no, you can't do that. Y'all are dumb as a box of rocks. Here's the freaking PCAP to show that we were able to do this. And I think part of it is, again, because what was left out of some of the translation were the nuances. So, for instance, like, oh, he hooked up to the Wi-Fi and made it fly sideways. I'm like, mm, absolutely no, that's not, not quite what happened. And so there's some, some interesting steps missed out that we talked to people about, that we demonstrated. We explained how we got to certain systems 
And obviously I'm, I'm not going to call it because I don't want people doing that today, but we'd explained it. We'd handed it over all to do with like maintenance machines and all sorts of other things and certs and everything else that allowed us to do what we we're able to do. And so it's really tough. What I ended up putting out into the public sphere was look, if anybody actually wants to know the truth, hit me up. I'm happy to talk about it. I'll talk about it mostly off camera, but I'll talk about it. And again, when I started a boom, one of the conversations of boom was like, so we know we're going to get some stick for this. We need to know the truth. And so I had a fantastic, like a stupidly fantastic conversation with them. And part of the reason they brought me on was because they don't want what I was able to do to those planes to happen to ours. They're like, you know, yes, we need to have connectivity. Yes, we need this. Yes, we, but we don't need a six foot three hairy Muppet with a Scottish bloody accent breaking into our fucking system and making the stupid thing go upside down and doing loop to loops. Figure that shit out. So it's really freaking nice to have somebody go, hey, make sure that people can't do what you were able to do, make it hard for them to do other things and at least understand what we could. So it was really, really nice to be able to be inside again and solving the stuff that we've been telling people for seven to 10 years. That's amazing. And out of curiosity, before doing the research before the show, yeah. I, uh, I went on and I just wanted to see whether that record had been corrected because no. it's, and it just blows me away. There was an article published in, uh, in an Israeli times. I think it was, it was, it was a news, newspaper that yeah. still mentioned that you made planes fly sideways. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, and I've totally. heard you talk that many times and, you know, it's just, yeah. it just blows my mind that people can carry a story beyond that, I, but it's crazy. It's it's tough and and it's you know i've always made it very open I, and, and there are a lot of there there were i mean when it when it went when it went public public there are a lot of people who unfortunately took it at face value and didn't ask now thankfully there were some amazing people who hit me up and going all right you muppet what did you do <laughs> number two never get on twitter again and number three explain what you actually did because if you did actually put people at risk yeah we got a problem with that especially if you did it maliciously if you were just getting to a certain point and going hey now i know what i can see well that's one thing and so it was always interesting having those conversations but um and you know and it's it's tough because i mean we, we saw it the same way we we went after tractors gosh years and years and years ago and did the same bloody thing i mean we jesse and i sat down literally one night at this damn ihop and figured out how to we rewrote the assembler code in the uh, in the tractor software, uh, re-signed the cert, which was a self-signed cert. Let's not even go there on that one, <laughs> and uploaded it to their SFTP site. And to this day, in one certain manufacturer's tractor, there is still assembler code with a smiley face still sitting in it. I know that because I still get the downloads. We're almost ten years later. I mean, and if I uncomment that, it's ridiculous. It is what it is. If you pulled that cert, people would be, there'd be tractors that just wouldn't operate. Oh yeah. Um, and it's, it's an entire range. Cause I, the whole idea with this thing was, you know, everybody talks about hacking computers and breaking into computer systems. I'm like, yeah, that's fun. Okay. Let's actually let's, and as terrible as it sounds, we as humans are terrible unless pain and suffering occurs. And I always go back to our childhood thing. I'm like, if you're a kid, if you go back to your memory, your parent or guardian or whoever was looking after you would say, hey, look, the kettle is hot, the stove is hot, don't touch it. What did every single one of us do? We touched the stupid thing. 
So we don't learn as humans unless pain and suffering is involved. So my attitude is like, well, fuck it, let's just kill more people. Well, you can't do that. That's terrible. Well, y'all aren't going to listen to me unless I kill some of you. So um, let's kill a few. And, and we basically, Jesse and I sat down one evening and we figured, because what we ended up doing is we rebuilt the algorithm for the seed, for the planters. So globally, these tractors look after 60 to 70% of the world's, of the world's production um, of corn, barley, and a few others. And we're like, all right, if we mess with the algorithm on the planter, and we messed with it in two different ways. So we said the first pass that you do, and we put a whole bunch of algorithmic statements in there that basically said, look, when you hook this thing up, if it's the first pass within a certain period of time in this period of time in the calendar year, you will display the calendar value, but you will... Uh, you will decrease the value by, it was like 25%. So when they put a seed in, instead of it planting it two inches deep, it plants an inch and a half deep. So that seed, A, comes up faster, B, doesn't have stable roots, and C, will get blown over in the wind. So now you've introduced crop instability in X amount of percentage. Farmers are smart. They will see this happening. They'll plow it over and they'll replant a late crop. So we built a second algorithmic loop that said, if you see the plant crop within a certain period of time, I think it was like 45 to 60 days, after this, this, and this date, it wasn't double the depth, it was multiplied by like 1.5. So instead of it being two inches deep, it would be three inches deep. Seed won't ever come up. Oh. And we figured at the time that we could affect about 60 to 70% of barley, corn, and wheat crops globally. Which is 60% oh. of the base elements in most food. Exactly. So the whole idea was, we'll just kill people through starvation. That's crazy. I, uh, it was like six or seven, I was six, seven, eight lines of a basic assembly code and a couple, and a smiley face. I can't forget the smiley face. And we commented everything <laughs> out. And then we uploaded and we're like, yeah, game over, proven. And no, no one's done anything about that since? That's just, that blows me away, Chris. That and again, told them, explained, I mean, the whole freaking lot. And it's just like, so you start looking at this, and again, you, you, as an industry, yeah, another one, a perfect example and another one, thankfully, the maritime side of the world is actually really starting to pay attention. But I'm out in Saudi in November, and I, I already, I, I promised them one of three things, and, and everybody here is going to get a preview to this, basically, because I'm, I'm fortunate, I'm uh, Black Hat, and Black Hat Meta, Mia Meta, uh, Middle East Africa, Mia. How do you yeah. meet Yeah, yeah. Mia, yeah. In there black hat basically uh i get to keynote which i'm gonna have an i'm gonna have a, <laughs> i'll either get on the stage or i'll get hustled off the stage one of others is gonna happen but i'm doing a keynote then i'm doing a quick one then they want me to do a live demo now i'm not gonna do a fully live demo because being arrested on stage i've not yet had that experience and i really don't want it in the middle of saudi arabia <laughs> but save that for somewhere else Exactly. Yeah. So what I figured out was I'm going to, I'm going to do the research over the next few weeks and I've already started doing a bunch of it. Um, I'm also known for hacking cows, but we're in the middle of Saudi. There aren't too many cows, but there are a lot of freaking camels. So I've already figured out how to camel hack or hack camels. I'm going to have a shit ton load of fun with this. I'm also <laughs> going after their electronic signage, but the other one I'm like, well, it's middle East. I mean, what are they known for? Uh, oil and weaponry. So I'm in, I, I'm spreading the wealth. So I hit two tankers in the Gulf and two tankers in the other side of the wet and soggy stuff. And I'm in the tanker systems and I'm like, all right, I'm in two of them. I'm already in the ballast control. 
So I've got the screenshots of the balance control side. So what I've actually figured out, because you go, bless their cotton socks, VSAT system, VSAT into navigation, navigation into, into basically shipping management system, shipping management systems got connectivity into the ballast. I'm like, yay! So you can actually flood one side of this tanker, which means obviously it goes, wee! That's, that is phenomenal. This, it's yeah. awesome. It took a lot of work. It took a fair amount of work to do that. Did you, but, did you um, sit in between the second VSAT link? Um, no, you comment. probably don't want to talk about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> if I was going to do it, that's probably where I'd navigate. Yeah, pretty to much. First. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and but that's thing, amazing. So yeah, a ton of fun. I mean, and and here's the stupid thing: it's you know, research is research is research. It doesn't matter who you are. You do your research on who owns the tankers. You do your research on the tankers. There's this. You can now plot where the darn tankers are. You can pull the tags off the tankers. So then you go, okay, well, where's the IP address? Where's the range? What's the system? You go hit show. I mean, Showdown's brilliant. I mean, it yeah. serves it up to you on a silver. I, I say, would you, would you like to investigate these? Sir? And you're like, yay. <laughs> and th th recently they just did another the Showdown. It looks expensive when you first look at it, but for everyone listening and for the, the people that are getting into the industry, wait a couple of weeks. They show down to a sale every now and then where it's like $2 yeah. for a lifetime membership. It's like, here is my silver platter for you with the best China where I can get for you. And you know what? Have it at ridiculously cheap. I, it's such a great tool. Well, it's, it's like Burp Suite. I think Burp Suite is what, 300 bucks for a year's license. I mean, you want to talk about one of the most uh, un, under, probably appreciated by those who know what the heck they're doing on Burp Suite. It's 300 bucks. I mean, it sounds like a lot, but it, it that's nothing. That that you can take down continents with that program. Yep. You, I love it. I mean, it, you you can wipe out companies with. I mean, it's and you can also in the nice side of the world. I suppose if we're thinking about things for nice. You can actually build something that helps people understand in a very very easy way interception capability sql injection which we've only had for what 15 20 years maybe um and all the other stuff it's you i mean you were talking about the swiss army knife of tools that thing's freaking amazing yeah i got some serious love for a bunch there's some amazing tools out there and you know unfortunately years and years ago i haven't built some of the stupid ones and nowadays i get to i get to use some amazing ones that other folks are building and it's i, I said uh i can't remember where i was talking about we you know, it, it, all it takes is someone with the curiosity, willingness to learn, and access to YouTube. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I absolutely. Well, I, YouTube and GitHub. <laughs> and GitHub, exactly. Yeah, the repos. I mean, with those two, you can take over the world pretty much. Yeah. It's um. Was, so, um what, what do you do at the end of that, though, Chris? Like, a, I, I, I love. I can talk about this again in a whole other series. Yeah. But <laughs> once, once you finish up with this sort of research, right? Yeah. At the end of it, you've delivered a keynote in Saudi. Do you then go and say and do the due diligence and and tell the, the people that hey, you probably should look at this and this is exactly what I done. got it's there. It's already on route. I, I actually so I typically I'll do my best to cover my bases. So I'm already talking to some folks inside CISA and DHS and explaining what I'm doing on Love that. a few. No, the, the camel hacking is pure fun and giggles. Yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. The signage stuff, I'll, I'm actually going to give them a heads up so they can talk to the companies before I get up on stage and give them a chance to repudiate it. And the same thing with the uh, with the oil tankers. No, those live because the last thing I need to do is put egg on the face of, you know, one of the biggest companies out there. I, I'd probably get yelled at for that one. Yeah. Plus, if if Boom ever wants to buy any kind of fuel-based source, they're going to be like, no, you, that asshole, he broke into our shit. I'd rather have it go... Oh yeah, that asshole. Yeah, he helped us fix the pain in the ass. 
but he helped us fix it. Yeah, here's four cents a liter discount for the rest of Boom's lifetime. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it, it, for, it, like the reason I asked that is um, I was just trying to work out what the uh, the availability of times for your connectivity would be to get you back on another episode. Will we have to record a sixty to ninety minute episode in ten minute blocks because that's your prison allocation? <laughs> or... <laughs> oh my gosh, it's it's you know it's. Um that whole conversation and i'm probably the worst i'm the worst one for it because I mean, like a lot of us in this industry you, you just keep going you keep going you keep going you keep and then all of a sudden you wonder why the heck you've got no energy you burnt out so it's i started to put a whole bunch of like barriers in places like that work is like 10 o'clock in the morning to six at night down tools six at night till nine ten o'clock at night is is family time wolf mud time all that kind of good stuff and then nighttime is research. So re-recording stuff at this hour of night is actually fantastic for me. And then don't won't work Saturdays. Saturdays, again, unless the place is on fire, Saturdays is it's a day off. It's a day to go hang out, day to go drive, day to go walk, whatever the heck it might be. Just get the hell out of Dodge and just just hang out. I think that's so important. And you know, lots of people talk about burnout in our industry, and um, it is a real thing. I don't want to discount that because I kind of feel like the people in cybersecurity are in cybersecurity for passion. Uh, yes. And we're the sort of folks that take passion to another level. And it's it's like, it's very easy to continue that and just build yourself out of a routine and into a new one where you're constantly on. Uh, and it's it's important to take that time for yourself, you know, like yeah. just take a day, even if it's a day, like you said, a Saturday. But for me, uh, I just moved, you know, and you're going through this as well. I moved uh, a couple of months ago to to get out of the rat race and, and spend more time with a priority being my family, I've got young kids, I've got a wife, you know, so yeah. being able to work from home all the time and, you know, being here, I can just put pause on a meeting and go and pick up the kids and things like that. But yes. that's the time that I've sort of tried to build into my new routine where I'm able to do that now. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I, I will accept it leveled against me that I failed at that numerous times in my life. So it's one of those things where I don't I, I don't really have a huge amount of regret, but if I'd have had the chance to do it again, I definitely would have put a few more barriers in place. The challenge on it is is I've always found myself, I've always walked into companies, Boom being probably the exception, because when I walked in, the damn thing wasn't on fire. Charles and the team have done like an amazing job of of just getting that place sorted out. And I mean, there's there's some fantastic stuff on like the software, the engineering, and the other teams. And so, but but normally I've walked into either incident response or situations or organizations that have had issues and you do end up working all the hours. I mean, you work stupid hours, 24 by 7, 365, and you get the job done, but then all those, you know, all those other expenses come due. It's, yeah, uh, it's you sort of pay yourself in, in health, right? Yeah. And yeah. for me, I put on 20 kilos. That was you know, for the audience listening. When I first joined my previous role it was it was a different ben sullivan to where i am today it's uh and then that's with i just transitioned into a new role and uh and, and with that similar to your story chris uh this company has it's such a different mentality that you know i've been able to put in place things like barriers as you mentioned to one look yeah. after my health and two be able to live a little bit at the same time but uh at the same time still give back and, and make sure you're achieving I think you're right. It's that balance. And and again, it's, you know, it's one thing, I mean, you and I cut from a very similar cloth when it comes to former military and all this stuff. And we all have demons. Uh, and mm. I, if you don't take time to acknowledge those demons, 
if you don't take time to deal with them, recognize them, not necessarily understand them, but figure out how to work among them, we've lost too many people. I mean, from the military side, from our industry side, we've lost too many people. And uh, and we have nobody to blame but ourselves. I mean, we're all here. We're all good shoulders to lean on. We're all good to listen to. But if you don't understand how deep down that rabbit hole you've gone, unfortunately, sometimes you, you, you're done. And I think that's one of those huge things I've learned, you know, unfortunately, through watching other folks is has been, hey, I have to take better mental care of myself. I mean, that's why I love the Mental Health Hackers crew, because they're out there going, hey, this is a real thing. Y'all got to look in the mirror sometimes and go, how am I doing? It's, it's such a powerful thing. You know, I, I didn't realize there was something called the mental health hackers as a group yeah. out there. So for all our listeners, you know, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes and, uh, and links to it. It's a, it's a phenomenal little crew and, and I think more needs to be done from that side, from our community. Chris, I'm yeah. conscious that it's, it's 1am your time. I've got a couple of questions I sort of want to get to here that, yeah, uh, that Gabe's, Gabe's asked me to talk to. One of them I think <laughs> you'll find quite interesting. I'm not sure if it's, uh, if it's even been reported over in the states but um i'm just looking at my notes here um we've, we've just encountered a significant telco breach um yeah. so there's two main telcos telstra and optus um yeah. optus has just been breached with nine million user records being leaked uh including passports right. driver's license payments and uh it, it's there's so much pii in there there's so much pci it wasn't encrypted that that to me is a whole nother story but um yeah. there's been a ransomware demand and the typical flow of what's happened um, what's your response to breaches like that and and how would you tackle that as you know your experience as a CISO and a VCSO? What would be your advice to folks that are involved in that that uh, that breach and then uh, the consumers that have lost records? Let's let's hit the consumers first because that's often unfortunately the one that's that's least addressed. Everybody turns around and says, Oh, poor consumers, and you get another two years worth of bloody credit monitoring. Yeah um whoop-de-doo yeah for me as a consumer there's a couple of things first and foremost uh for those folks that don't keep a close eye on their bank account start keeping a close eye on your bank account start uh in the u.s you can start locking the account down so you can't open a credit card change something there's a way of like not being able to apply for loans all of these things you can put in place at the bank and i'm assuming australia's got the similar kind of stuff going on Correct. so you start locking the bank account down so that even if i am walking around with your information the chances of me being able to use the financial stuff starts being a minimal of an occurrence um, on the phone side of it, I mean, I run something called Hire, H-I-Y-A, on my phones, and it's like an anti-spam thing. So it restricts unknown numbers. It restricts a lot of local numbers. It stops a lot of the messaging and the spams and stuff. So even if somebody, well, shit, my creds are out there. My cred, you know, stuff's out there. It's less of a direct hit on me. Um, Google yourself. Start taking a look at yourself and going, what else can I do? educate the kids educate the family be more aware and start asking more questions because you know unfortunately now the information is going to be bought sold traded sliced and diced up passports will get applied for credit cards will get applied for people will start getting scammed i know information about you so can i start scamming your family can i be the long lost relative can i be the one that does this it's it's now is the time to educate the people to just ask one more question is the person on the other end of the phone line or the email trying to get me to elicit an emotional response if they are y'all got to take a step back and go hmm let me double check this one 
And I think that's unfortunate from a consumer, short of actually just burning their building down and asking them why the hell. I mean, actually, yes, step one, Molotov cocktail into the into the grand floor and first floor windows of the building. And yes, I am asking for incitement for violence, because again, back to my earlier statement, if we actually tar and feather and possibly knock off a couple more leaders who decided it wasn't important to encrypt my information, people might pay attention. Um, not that I advocate anybody to do that, but in my mental life, in my Scottish side of me, that's like, I'm going to tar and feather your ass. The yeah, William Wallace in you just came question. out. Hmm? The William Wallace in you just came out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and then, so I think that's part of it. That, that to me is the one side of it. It's, it behooves, and this, I, I would hope as a CISO of a company, if we got our ass handed to us, it wouldn't just be, I'm ever so sorry, consumer, here's two years worth of credit reporting. It's, it would be, there would be an entire separate thing set up with dial-in numbers, with helplines, with something out to privacyrights.org, with something out to have I been pwned, and 10 other things, a whole bunch of consumer things that can be done. And whatever the hell I could do to minimize the impact of the individuals that I just basically, not just inconvenience, I've screwed up their lives in some cases. And so, you know, that, I don't ever see that happening. I've seen it once or twice, but not very often. Um, I think that would be the, the one of the first things. I've never seen that happen in Australia from memory, uh, but that, that'd that be powerful. I That's, that's some great advice, Chris. I, I appreciate that because that would, it just shows you care, right? Uh, and it's more than just That's, an offering yeah. of words. It's a it's a tangible outcome for yeah. It's and, and are, you set up yeah you set up the damn helpline and you put 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 staff on that helpline. Yeah, and they're there. And, and this is, I think, where where we need people outside of our industry. We need people from. We need empathists. We need people who are empathetic, um, but are still able to get shit done. Mm. So you start taking a look. I mean, I remember. I think it was in the US. I can't remember who it was. It was one of the CISOs. Might have been the Equifax CISO. You know, she was lambasted out in the media because, you know, her degree was in like art or music or something. Like, oh, no. How can you be a CISO and have that? I'm like, you bigoted assholes. Yep. I'm like, I don't need a CISO who's got a, got a, a freaking a degree in, in computing. I'd much rather have somebody that's got a degree in something else completely different. Because now I've got somebody who understands tech and can also speak freaking English, you know, and it's, uh, and has empathy for those people outside of the field. So I think you're right. I haven't seen it very often, maybe once or twice, but for me, that, that ideal situation would be, let me put myself in the shoes of the very people I've just screwed over. What can I do to do the best I possibly can for them? Um, and then internally internally those awkward questions have got to be asked what the hell happened and why and it's not a finger pointing exercise it's not a blame game it's not a who do we bust and who do we hang out to dry it's it's twofold it's one how do we make sure it never happens again and what failed in the process was it Unfortunately, that the CISO wasn't able to articulate to a, an advisory board or a board of directors the importance of encrypting data at rest, data in motion, and data in use, three cases. Was it that? Was it that the board of directors had other priorities? Was it they didn't establish it as a risk? Was it that somebody lied on the audit form, at which point who the hell actually signed off on that? 
you know, was it the, the finances we used? What was the priority of the business that they didn't feel that risk was sufficient? Or was it the fact they were just flying by the seat of their pants and didn't care? At which point, shit flows uphill. The CEO needs to be taken out and fucking shot, as far mm. as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's tough. I, I, we put a post out the other day. Um, a lot of the the security defenders within that organization are part of our community in the podcast. So, yeah. you know, we, we put out a, a statement the other day just saying that we stand with them. You know, it would be tough. We've yeah. all been there. It's it's batting yeah. down the hatches and work out what the hell happened and and understanding that it's not a single person's fault, understanding that it's, you know, as you said, it's leadership from top down, uh, which gives yeah. a directive on how to operate. Um, but yeah. yeah, just want to make it clear for, for everyone listening and, and especially those uh, defenders within the crew, you know, we stand with you and appreciate the work you're doing right this second. Yeah. Oh, I mean, and, and, and so I'll caveat that while also add on to that one for every single vendor that's listening, every single one of you that's about to ambulance chase and go, my product could have stopped this or I could have done this. I will find you and I will gut you with a spork. Um, especially if you call up those bloody defenders and go, well, you know, if you just give us 10 minutes, we could show you how to fix your problem. I'm going to find you. I'm going to hunt you down. And in the middle of the night, I'm going to wake you up and you're going to hear me gutting you with a spork. End of conversation. All for now. I love that. I love it. End with that as well. <laughs> but it's that's true. It, it, it happens. Yeah. And I, that's it. I mean, we're all armchair experts in hindsight. I was actually, we do So in the US, they, uh, uber the yeah uber got breached again and um you know i put out a i put out a post and it was you know unfortunately a quarter of us are armchair experts a quarter of us are going to sit there and say our software could have fixed it a quarter of us are actually looking for answers because we need to look introspectively at our own organizations and go what could we have done differently what should we have done differently? I mean, I'm to your point, uh, inside boom, we're responsible to several different regulatory bodies. And so I'm always doing that balance. I'm always having those conversations with the business to go, Hey, these are the risks as to where we are. Given what we have from a resources standpoint, this is what we can deal with now. This is what we'll deal with in 23. This is what we'll deal with in 24. We will continue to have these discussions and prioritize accordingly. If I don't get to something over here and I get my ass handed to me because of this, it's because I told the organization that we had to assume that risk because we were concentrating on 10 other things. There's only so many pairs of hands to go around and there's a finite amount of money to go around and there's only so many bloody things that we can fix. So as an adversary, you know, it's unfortunately it happens. Shit just comes in. And so as long as I've done my due diligence to go, hey, I've done everything I possibly could to get us as far along as I can. You can at least look yourself in the mirror and go, Hey, I did what I could. Absolutely. Um, right. Yeah. Chris, I, I want to, I want to give you your early morning back. Uh, so I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to ask uh, the, the last question before we wrap up. And it's, yeah. it's something we ask all of our guests, you know, in typical podcast fashion, but if you could, if you had a captive audience of the entire world's population for 30 minutes, what would the message be? Ask one more question. Love that. That's it. That's that's all. On my tombstone, that's all I'm going to want is ask one more question. It, it can be that can be taken so many ways, and I love that yeah. statement. Yeah. Ask one more question. You know, it's it's uh, it's something that you know. Unfortunately, my military sent a lot of people pass, and 
it's generally the advice they it's you know they, they just want you to look after them and i wish i had the time to ask or wish i had the time to ask yep. one more question that's powerful chris well it's it's the same thing you got people to your point we got people coming into this industry and it's you need to find the people that you can ask those questions to because there are some amazing people in this industry i'm I'm ridiculously fortunate that, that there are so many good people in this community. There are souls in this community who you can't ask questions of, but there are so many good people in this community. And I think that's it. You, you ask that question and you see what response you get. And from there, you can determine whether they're going to be a mentor, somebody you can just ping every six months, 12 months, whatever, or whether you're like, and block, you know, and it's, and it's all the way from that through, you know, it, it goes through all facets of life. And it's, it's one of those things I've always held and, I love the question because this so I mean, we all look at it. I, I remember as a kid, you know, as a kid, you believe that you can solve all the world's problems. Why are the oceans full full of plastic? Why haven't we figured this one out? Why are we still burning the, the coal and polluting? Why are we doing these things? Why, 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 why? We always want to answer. We always want to, to feel like we can answer every single one of those questions. And then unfortunately we bloody grow up and the reality turns up and money and politics and priorities and all these other things get in the way. But I feel like we should never stop asking those questions. And to me, that's, that's how I look at it. So I evaluate things. Honestly, it's amazing advice. I love that. So it's possibly one of my, my favorite answers so far to that question. So thank you. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Look, I, I want to give you early morning back. I know it's probably 1.30 almost in the morning where you are. So from myself, from Gabe, the entire Dark Mode crew and our community that are listening uh, and potentially watching on YouTube as well, we all want to say thank you, Chris Roberts, for the work you do in the industry, uh, the fact that you are so raw, you are so honest, and you are holding people accountable um we to from us to you just want to say thank you mate because it's um, uh, it's amazing work echo the same back i absolutely love the time i love the conversations i love the stuff on linkedin on twitter and everything so i am i'm humbled by the by by honestly by all the discussions i, I freaking love it so thank you and i will endeavor to hold true to to everything either i'm gonna get a wax load from jesse one or the other <laughs> I so, love that. Now, in, in all your posts that you mentioned, uh, Chris, there was is, is a saying at the end I mentioned earlier, if you wouldn't mind seeing us out with that phrase, I'd be forever yeah. grateful. All for now.